So the big question is this, you're a free diver or a spear fisherman, and you have a strong desire to improve your free diving abilities. You're just not quite sure how. That is the question. And my podcast, Free Dive Live, is your answer. Join me as I take a deep dive into all things free diving and discover even more about this amazing sport that has given me so much. My name is Ted Hardy. I teach people to free dive deeper, stay longer, and become safer. Welcome to Free Dive Live, episode number 14. In this episode, I will discuss why I believe that spearfishing is more dangerous than competitive freediving. This podcast is brought to you by freedivingsafety.com, which provides a free online course that will teach you the truth about shallow water blackout, how to minimize your risk, my favorite test to see if you're wearing too much weight, how to save your buddy if they were to have a blackout. As the sport of freediving and spearfishing continues to grow, unfortunately, so do the fatalities. Almost every spearfishing freediving fatality that I encounter would be easily prevented by following these easy-to-follow rules in this program. So I definitely recommend uh, anyone take the time to go through this program. The life you save may be your own or your friend, and the course is free. During my freediving courses, my students are always surprised when I talk about how I think that spearfishing is more dangerous than than competitive freediving because they're like, okay, no, no, that's crazy, Ted. You're diving to 250 feet, 208 feet, whatever you're doing, like that's just insane. That's so dangerous. Like, why are you trying to kill yourself? It's you know, it's crazy what you do. And I totally understand that. My family thinks kind of the same thing, so I totally get that. Right? It seems you know, it seems crazy. Right? We're trying to dive as deep as humanly possible. And I'm saying that it's not that dangerous compared to, you know, people going spearfishing, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 feet. And I'm saying that's more dangerous. Let me explain why I believe that. First off, let's talk about the environment in a, in a, when I go to a competition. So first off, when I'm diving at a free diving competition, I am the opposite of diving by myself. When I'm doing a 200 foot dive, I've got a primary free diving safety I've got a secondary freediving safety. If I'm at Deja Blue, I typically have someone on a scooter, right, which practically follows me all the way down. So at any point, if I say, hey, this is all the fun I can handle, I can grab onto the scooter and bail out. And I'm typically going to have a photo, a fo- someone shooting a photo or video. I have four people down there taking care of me. I've got a great photo of me coming up from a no-fins dive, and you can literally see four people within five feet of me, right? There's the two safety divers, there's Kirk on the scooter, and then there's a videographer. That is what safe diving looks like. I mean, you can't get any more safe than that. Secondly, you look at people that are in these free diving competitions, they are all highly trained, meaning they've taken multiple freediving classes, right? I mean, that's typically what's required to even and get to that level. Now, is there someone who shows up for a freediving competition somewhere who hasn't taken a freediving course? Maybe, right? But what I will tell you is the absolute vast majority of people in these competitions have taken multiple freediving classes, are well-educated on the risks, the do's, the don'ts. Let's look at the dives that I'm doing. So my deepest dive is 85 meters, right? So when I was doing dives like that, I wouldn't just like show up to a competition and do an 85 meter dive the first day. At least I couldn't do that. I'd work my way up to it, but here's what I mean. So let's say, and for 
for feet, like 85 meters is like 280 feet. If I'm doing planning to do an 85 meter dive at a competition, I would show up maybe a couple weeks earlier and I would do a 70 meter dive and I'd see how that feels. And if it felt good, the next day, maybe I'd do a 72 meter dive. So I drop the plate by two meters. We travel at a meter a second. So if I make the dive two meters deeper, it takes me two seconds longer to get there and then two seconds longer to come up. So when I drop the plate by two meters, I'm, I'm only changing the dive by making it four seconds longer. And a 72 meters feel good. I might do 74 the next day. And the next day I might do 76. And now, you know, maybe I start going one meter jumps, like 77, 78. So when, I, when, I, when I'm lowering the plate by one meter, I'm literally changing the length of the dive by two seconds. So what we do as competitive freediver, you know, especially when we're diving the ocean, the dive is such a known quantity. And it's something that we've done over and over and over again. In fact, anytime I'm doing a dive in the ocean, I know within five seconds how long that dive is going to take me. So it's a very understood dive that we're embarking on. The safeties are well-trained to understand exactly how long it's going to take us, and they use that to time when they're, they're going to do their dives and all that sort of stuff. So we have a very high level of understanding of what the risks are, and we have a risk management system in place to deal with that. So certainly the biggest risk is blackout, and I've got four divers in the water to take care of me. So like if the first safety, you know, he gets eaten by a shark, the second safety, he's there and he can take care of me, or if he were to get eaten by a shark, and so the scooter guy could grab me. Well, let's say they all three get eaten by sharks. Well, I'm attached to the line with the lanyard and the people at the surface can start up the counterbalance and then boom, I'm getting it brought up to the surface. So if all four people underwater, all the people in water get eaten by sharks at the same time, I'm still, if something happens, they're going to be able to get me to the surface. Now, obviously the thing with everyone getting eaten by sharks is not going to happen. But the point is, even if something happens to the primary safety, let's say they can't clear their ears, there's backups. So we have backups on backups on backups on backups to take care of what we know is the biggest risk. Blackout. That's called excellent risk management. We know what the problem is and we put in multiple ways to take care of that. I bet you can guess where I'm going with this. Let's compare this to typical spearfishing. At least in the United States, most of the people that spearfish have not taken a freediving class. In fact, most of the people in the United States that freedive whatsoever haven't taken a freediving class. It's getting more and more better percentage because there's more and more instructors out there, which is awesome. We need more instructors. And so more and more people are taking classes, but the sport's also taken off like crazy. So, you know, I don't know if the percentage, what is changing, but I will tell you very confidently, the majority of the people that freedive and spearfish in the U.S. have not taken a freediving class. So again, we go back to the competitive freedivers where almost exclusively all of them have taken multiple freediving classes. Now, as a competitor, when I'm diving, I was talking about, I've got three people underwater right next to me, you know, following me up to the surface. That's not happening at spearfishing. In fact, so many people that spearfish don't even do the most basic thing, which is have someone waiting at the surface. You know, I always joke like the spearfishing, the boat pulls up to the super secret spot, throws the anchor overboard before the anchor hits the bottom, you know, first in, first fish, they all jump in. One goes one way, one goes the other way, another one goes the third way, and they all just spread out. But they're all, yeah, but we keep an eye on each other. They're in the area. So that's three people that are in the area. So they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not diving myself. I got two of their, two of their folks around me. 
But the reality is that's really no different than three people being on three separate boats and, and just diving by themselves. Because uh, I would imagine that I've seen more blackouts than you have. And I have never seen someone come to the service and go, oh my God, Ted, I'm about to black out. Can you please come over and help me? They just come up, take a couple breaths, black out, and they sink down to the bottom and that's it. They're not going to ask for help. If you are in the area, unless you happen to be at the surface staring right at that point, you're not going to see that. When I was talking about competitive freediving, you know, clearly I know the depth I'm going to and I know the time. So let's look at spear fishing. All right. So I asked the spear, I asked the spear, so how deep are you diving? I, I don't know. It depends where the fish is, right? It depends on where the fish is, Ted. Okay. That, that's reasonable. So how long is the dive going to take? I, I don't know, Ted. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I might see the fish right when I get down, right? So then it'll be a rather short dive. But, you know, if I don't see the fish right away, I'm going to stay down for as long as I think I can. So it might be quite a long dive. Okay, well, well, once you shoot the fish, like how long does it take to come up to the surface? I, I First off, Ted, why are you asking me all these stupid questions? But but I, if I had to answer it, I don't know, Ted, because I might, if I stone the fish, it's really easy to get up. I might get a bad shot on the fish. And, and some fish don't want to come up to the surface. So I've got to fight the fish. So, you know, again, I don't know. How long do you breathe up between dives? Okay, Ted, enough with the questions. I don't know. What I'm getting at is there are so many more variables. The depth of the dive, don't know. The length of the dive, don't know. Amount of workload they're going to encounter on the dive, don't know. How much time am I resting between dives? Don't know. Is there going to be a current? Maybe. There's so many more variables to account for when spearfishing. And we've got boats with people that have no idea what they're doing on a boat. They don't know that the dive flag means stay away. They think, oh, that's the free lobster pot. And you pull up the thing and then there's lobster underneath it, right? They, they, they don't understand, right? So you need, I mean, I've certainly... As much as I've been in the water, I have almost been run over multiple times, free diving and scuba diving. There's also deadly weapons involved with spearfishing. And we have to deal with sharks. That is a lot of additional risks. Competitive free diving, absolutely known dive, absolutely known time, safeties that are well-trained, Almost all of them are super certified are, are certified, and we have risk management to deal with everything that can happen. And we have multiple backups. If one thing goes wrong, we have all these other things, right? Then you got spearfishing, unknown depth, unknown time, weapons, boats, sharks. And in general, we have so much less safety. So to me, it seems very obvious that spearfishing is more dangerous than uh, competitive freediving. When you look into the fatality numbers, it absolutely backs up what I'm saying. There have been two fatalities in competition free diving in the past 20 years. And I can assure you uh, the number for spearfishing is way uh, more than that. I mean, just recently, there's two fatalities in the past week. I had heard about one in Hawaii and then also one in Australia uh, more recently. And it looks like the person who had the fatality in Australia uh, had a loss of motor control uh, beforehand, which is a mild hypoxic issue, and then continued diving, uh, which is one of the things that any freediving class will tell you. If you have a loss of motor control or blackout, you need, you're done diving for the day because you're much more likely to have a worse one later. What are some solutions uh, that we can implement to make spearfishing more safe and to mitigate the risks? 
First off, I will always say this, the best thing you can do is number one, take a class, but I'm gonna add on an important addition, which I think a lot of people don't understand, is follow the procedures that were taught in that class. I hear so many people say things like, oh yeah, no, Ted, I appreciate all that stage stuff, I'm safe, I took a class, and then I either hear, ask, see, or whatever, look at the way they're diving, and they're not implementing the things that they taught in the class. Like, now, when you take a free diving class, especially if you pass, you're going to be tested. Can you rescue someone from a lost motor control? Can you rescue someone from a blackout? Can you rescue someone from a underwater blackout? And these are all uh, skills that you learn in a class, but that instructor didn't say it was okay to dive by yourself if you're only diving in 30 or 40 feet of water. And he didn't say it's okay to go spearfishing in a group of three people as long as you occasionally take a look at the other person and see if they're okay. They didn't say that. They said things like you need to be diving in a team. You need to be one up, one down. You need to be close to your buddy when they surface so that you can fix it if something goes wrong. But a lot of people take a free diving class and they think that puts this, you know, invisible safety bubble around them because, oh, I took a class. I'm therefore going to be safe. But they don't implement any of the stuff that they learn in the class. So it does not make them safe. So I would say if we get more people taking classes, that's absolutely going to be excellent. But as, as long as they follow the procedures that they were taught in the course. So of all the procedures and things you would learn in the course, the one that, especially if you've heard me before, you've heard me say this over and over again, is this idea of close enough to grab. When you come up from a dive, you want your buddy to be close enough to grab you. Because if you have a lost motor, if you have a blackout, they have to be able to grab you to fix it. But that's not commonly followed, right? I mean, it's pretty common that a spearfisherman will come up and their buddy will be 100 feet down the reef or the buddy comes up and, I mean, the diver comes up and their buddy's underwater trying to shoot a fish, right? So they're not even there. It doesn't matter if you're the best blackout rescuer on the planet. You can blow tap talk like a boss. If you're not close enough to grab your buddy when they have the problem, that information that's in your brain about how to rescue someone is completely useless. That's why you've got to be close enough to grab. I will tell you, rescuing someone from a blackout is it's, it's really easy. It's, it's pretty easy. I, I used to work on a dive boat. I rescued drowning snorkelers, a lot of them. That's not easy because that drowning snorkeler is going to try to kill me as I'm trying to save them. When I walk up to a walk up, when I swim up to a drowning snorkeler, my head looks like an island that they want to stand on. They want to grab me, push me underwater, stand on my head. And the only reason they're trying to do that is not because they're trying to kill me. They're just trying to raise their airway out of the water. It's an instinctual thing, like grab and push underwater, raise the airway up. When I started, I took my first freediving class, became a freediving instructor, I started learning how to rescue these people from Black House. I'm like, this is so simple. They're not going to try to punch me. They're not going to try to pull me underwater. They're not going to try to kill me. They're just going to sit there. And I'm going to throw them on their back, take their mask off and blow across their eyes. Like, this is pretty simple. So it is. It's very easy to bring someone back from a blackout. It's incredibly easy. And I would, you know, again, if you want to look in depth, you know, obviously the best way to do is take a free diving course is then you're going to get hands-on experience. Before you do that, at least go to the freedivingsafety.website and I've got videos of it where I show you step-by-step -step what it looks like and how to do it. What I will tell you is I've probably seen more blackout rescues than you have. And a lot of it is because I watch so many of them on YouTube. What I'll tell you is I've seen so many terrible blackout rescues on YouTube. And the good news is, even when they're done terribly, the person lives. 
When there's no one there, they sink down to the bottom of the ocean and they're dead. So at least if you're there, even if you don't know all the proper things to do, you're likely going to be fine. I mean, think about it. If you happen to be spearfishing, you've never taken a freediving class, you don't know anything about freediving safety, and you, you, but you do happen to be close enough to grab and your buddy comes up, blacks out, and sinks to the bottom of the ocean, you're not going to go, huh, I'm really not sure what I should do here. He's sinking, he's getting deeper. No, you're going to like instinctively, hey, get, get this person and bring them up to the surface, right? So the number one rule is protect the airway. It's not the blackout that causes the problem, it's the water in the lungs that kills us every time. Now, let me be clear. If you had taken a freediving class and you knew and you had been trained on how to do these rescues properly, obviously that's the best thing because what I will tell you is a proper rescue will bring the person back almost immediately. A terrible rescue where the airway is constantly dipping or getting water in the lungs, yes, the person might survive, but they could possibly have to be in the hospital for a week all because, you know, some things were not done correctly. But just another way to look at it. If I had to choose between two buddies... And one of them was someone who had taken a freediving class, was an excellent blackout rescuer who I absolutely knew I could not rely on to be at the surface when I hit the surface. Or I could have someone that I had 100% confident that would be at the surface no matter what, but hadn't taken a freediving class. I would pick the one that would 100% be there. I mean, obviously, it's a, you know, I would prefer someone who will be there and who has training. But I just what I want to stress is the most important thing is be there. I just think there's a lot of people out there that have taken these freediving classes, but they don't implement the safety. I'm just trying to get across like how, how pointless that is. One of the most common objections uh, I get to when I talk about this stuff, right, which is, you know, being safe while spearfishing, as they say, Ted, look, I, <laughs> look, I mean, maybe in fantasy land where you live and, you know, maybe people that spearfish in Florida, uh, when they can actually see things and see people, this idea of watch your buddy maybe makes sense. Uh, but, you know, I dive in the Northeast. I dive in California. You know, we're, we're diving in 10 foot of visibility and 40, 50 foot of water. You can't see anything. Like this, this whole like watch your buddy thing is just nonsense. Like you don't understand the environment that we work in. You don't understand. Therefore, you, you can't do any of that stuff. So the only thing you can do is like suck it up and don't push yourself and just and not black out. So, yeah, if you're diving in visibility where you can't see your buddy, that makes what I'm saying difficult. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, obviously, if I'm saying well, you have to watch your buddy, and you're like, I can't see my buddy. Yeah. Okay. Of course, that makes it more difficult. And what I find is the worse the visibility is, the worse the safety culture is in that geographic area. Areas that have good visibility, I tend to hear, you know, more people really being passionate and practicing safe freediving. The worse the visibility is, the more people that are argument I hear that are argumentative about this whole buddy system and you know, all this sort of stuff. So what do you do if you dive in, in bad visibility? Well, one thing, it basically all revolves around making yourself more visible. You can wear, uh, instead of a black weight belt that like disappears immediately, you can wear a white weight belt or you can get a fluorescent color on it, yellow. Um, you can put fluorescent tape on your snorkel. Uh, you put it on the weight belt, put it on the actual weights. Garo from Gannett Dive Company talks about how he puts it on the foot pocket, on the heel, and then on the uh, the on the other side of it, right? So that now when they're whether they're flat on the bottom or when they're going down, you're seeing the flash of the fin. So those are things that make it easier to see your buddy. Now, is it going to make it so no matter what you can always see them? No, but it's going to absolutely increase the amount of depth where they where they are visible. It's not perfect but you're making it more visible for sure. So that's something proactive that you can do. Another thing you can do, one of the best things is get up, put a float line on the gun. Now there's certain reasons that when you're spearfishing, you would want a float line. There are certain reasons why you absolutely wouldn't want a float line. I understand that, but I'm just saying that putting a float on the gun 
will completely get rid of this. Well, I don't know where they are, right? You just follow the float and they're going to come up somewhat near that float. Gannett Dive Company has what's called a snake float. She designed because, you know, people in California are like, okay, yeah, but had this float stuff, like we've got all this kelp, the lines gets tangled. So he created a, a snake float, which is uh, basically a, a floating line. And there's just a little bit of float on the top, but it's really small. And the purpose of it is simply so that someone on the surface can see it. And that the way that the float is made, he can go through the kelp and the and the, the line goes through that just fine, right? So that's a, a way that's basically solely designed uh, to make yourself more visible. Another thing you can do is, and this is something I learned from a, a, a PFI instructor, uh, Eric Pinon. He was... Uh, I believe he was he was he was a French spear fisherman, and this was something they regularly did. And I like this because okay, so I'm talking about watching your buddy and do all these things. So yeah, you can do all the things that you want to do. You're trying to be as good as possible, but sometimes you know it just doesn't work, right? Like you come up and your buddy is actually looking for you, but they're just not there. What I know is when I used to go spear fishing in Fort Lauderdale, we'd be on the third reef, and it's you know 60, 70 foot. If I come up to the surface. And my buddy is not right there. Here's what I know. I'm lucky. I typically, or I pretty much only when I was diving, when I'm not teaching freedom class, I'm typically diving with another instructor. If I hit the surface and my buddy is not there, I know 100%, 100% certainty that person at that moment in time is actively searching for me. I know that that person did not see a fish and then take off to go shoot the fish because I don't dive with people like that. I, I know that person's looking at me, looking for me, but just at the moment, they can't see me because maybe it's really rough out there, right? I mean, we get the big seas in, in, in Fort Lauderdale. It could be that there might be near me, but we're on the wrong side of the wave. So the person's looking for me, just can't see me. So this is the trick that I learned from uh, Eric, which I thought was pretty cool. Is he's like, if you hit the surface and you don't see your buddy and you know your buddy's actively looking for you, raise the gun over your head, make loud, obnoxious noise. As soon as my buddy hears that noise, they know I'm at the surface but they can't see me because it's wavy. So all they got to do is make a 360 spin. And what are they going to see? They're going to see the gun over my head. So it's a great way to like just instantly bring you guys back, back close together, right? Because you're trying to do what you're supposed to, but if something doesn't work, that's a great system that helps, especially if you're dealing with rough water. All of these things, float, make yourself more visible. That last thing I talked about, these are things that you can do if you are interested and trying to do a better job of watching your buddy so that ultimately when they get to the surface, you can be close enough to grab. So it's up to you. You can say, well, hey, it's just, it's too, the visibility is terrible. There's nothing you can do. Or you can implement these things to try to do a better job. Now, the other thing that I've, I hear constantly and I've heard, I mean, every freediving instructor has heard this, is they say things like, Ted, I appreciate all that safety stuff you do. I mean, I really do. But, and here it comes. But, but see, Ted, I, I, I don't, I don't push myself. I see, I'm actually, I know my limits and I, I stay, I'm really in tune with my body and I, I just, I don't push myself. And I, I just, you know, I, I just come up before I black out. In fact, I've never had a problem before. So I, I know I, I'm being safe. And so, you know, there's other people that are crazy and they push themselves, but you know, not me, I, I'm fine. It took me a long time to learn how to address that argument. Because when I started teaching freediving, they would say that. And, and sometimes it was like, Ted, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've never had a problem. And my response is like, you're not being safe. And they're like, okay, Ted, all right, let me, let me try this again. Maybe you didn't hear me. Uh, I've never had a problem. I've been doing it for 15 years, so I know I'm safe. And I'm like, you're not being safe. And they're like, oh my God, like this guy won't listen to me. 
I had to understand if someone says they're doing it for five years, 10 years, 15 years, and they've never had a problem. What that tells, what that tells me is number one, that's awesome. I hope you don't have a problem. I hope that you can keep saying that. But the problem with that argument is that does not, that is, that is, says nothing about your safety. What it says is you have never had a problem yet. What determines if you're safe or not is what happens to you if you have a problem. What happens to you if you have a blackout? Would you feel 100% confident that if you blacked out 10 foot underwater on the very last spearfishing trip you made on your very last dive, how confident are you that you would be here listening to me? The answer to that question determines if you're safe or not. So the, the thing with this, I don't push myself, I've never had a problem argument is you are always able to make that argument until you're dead. That's the nature of that argument. Because as soon as you, you, you have a problem, you're dead and you can't be saying, well, I've never had a problem. I don't push myself because now you're dead because you sunk underwater and then that's it because there's no one around to take care of you. The other thing that makes that argument so compelling to the person saying it, I don't push myself on no limits, is they don't understand that blackouts can come without warning, especially in the ocean. I remember when Kirk told me that, founder of Performance Radio, I was sitting in his class, and he's like, you can feel fine seconds before you blackout. I'm like, no, I, no, I, don't, I, I refuse to believe that. I know, like, when you hold your breath, it gets worse and worse and worse. You feel it coming. Like, I would know. And so I talk about this in another podcast episode, but I think this is one of the biggest reasons that people think they're being safe when they're not. When you hold your breath on dry land, you have a slow, steady increase in the urge to breathe. Everyone understands when you hold your breath, the longer you hold your breath, the more urge to breathe you get, the more difficult it gets. And at some point you can't hold your breath anymore. And you say, that's all the fun I can have. Everyone intuitively understands that. Then people make a very logical assumption and they assume the same thing would happen in the ocean, but it doesn't. When you're coming up from a dive in the ocean, you don't have that slow, steady increase in signals. It has to do with the partial pressure of oxygen. It drops quite quickly as you get near the surface. And that's why you can go from feeling fine to instant blackout. I've talked to so many people that have blacked out on dives and said they felt fine. I have video footage of a spear fisherman blacking out underwater. He'll tell you he felt fine. Mandy, Kirk's wife, seven-time world record holders. I believe she said she had nine underwater blackouts in her entire career spanning decades. And on seven of them, she felt fine. She had no idea anything was wrong. She's coming up from the dive. She's got the tag in her hand. She's like, I just broke another world record. And then she wakes up in Kirk's arms like, get the heck off me. Why, what are you doing? So when you say you know your limits, you don't push yourself. You're in tune with your body. Maybe you're more in tune with your body than a seven-time world record holding free diver. I probably doubt it. Most people, once they understand that that's possible then it makes it more easy to be like, hmm, maybe I should pay attention more to the safety stuff. I'm just telling you, on most of the dives that you would black out on, you would feel absolutely fine. So saying that I don't push myself into my body is just meaningless. It doesn't, it doesn't match up with physics in the real world. So one of the things I say in class is I say, all right, fine. You're in tune with your body. Awesome. You know what? Let's say that you are. Let's say that you are genetically superior to all of us mere mortals 
and you have some sort of built-in oxygen sensing device, and it's going to tell you right before you're about to black out. So explain to me this. You're coming up from a 60-foot dive. You shot a fish. You're 15 feet near the surface, and the thing goes, you're about to black out. How does that help you? I mean, it's nice to know you're about to die, right? But what's going to help you is that you've got a buddy at the surface close enough to grab, trained in free dive and rescue, that can take care of you. That's the only thing that's going to help. I'll include a link in the show notes of uh, a good video uh, showing this in detail of uh, two spear fishermen uh, having a blackout, get an idea, see what, it's, see, see what it actually looks like. All right, so the question is, how many fatalities are actually happening from shallow water blackout in the United States? You know, I would guess there's probably 50 fatalities per year in the U.S. I mean, most of it is spear fishermen, but there's more and more people that uh, unfortunately are having fatalities in the pool because they're doing breath hold training or, good Lord, all the YouTube videos of people doing underwater stuff, wearing weights and walking around and carrying weights underwater. Um, you, I just see that stuff all the time on YouTube and they never say anything about the risk of blackout and you need to watch it because they don't have any understanding. Like they're just some YouTube influencer and they run around underwater carrying heavy weights. So there are more and more fatalities happening in the pool as well. Now people say, well, Ted, well, where did you get that number 50? It's not an official number. It's just what, what, what I believe is happening. I mean, unfortunately, you know, because I'm a free diving instructor and I'm always running my mouth about safety, I, it's like, it's awful. I have so many people, hey, did you hear about this guy that died? You know, did you hear about this kid that died lobstering off of Fort Lauderdale? I mean, all the stuff, it's just awful. All the people that are asking me, you know, what did I hear about these things? And the, 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 the thing that makes it so tricky is, there's no way to get an official number because someone dies from shallow water blackout, where it's a pool or, or the ocean. What's their cause of death on the death certificate? It does not say shallow water blackout. You know what it says. It says drowning. I can't just access the database and see how many shallow water blackout deaths they are because they're not classified that way. They're classified as drowning. The coroner looks at the body and there's water in the lungs. The coroner says, yep, it's drowning. And the coroner goes home. That's it. It's pretty simple. Dan Divers Alert Network started to try to track uh, the fatality numbers uh, for freediving deaths, uh, but I just believe that that number is horribly underreported. The last number that I saw was 50 worldwide, and I scoff at that number. I believe it's way more than that uh, because we don't have a, I mean, people don't know to report the fatalities to Dan. In the scuba world, like when there's a scuba fatality, like everyone knows how to get that data to Dan, but, you know, someone dies in the pool or, you know, blacks out spearfishing somewhere, they don't, they don't know to let Dan know about what happened. So here's another way to look at it. Of all the fatalities from blackout with people that are spearfishing, do you think that person would say something like, Oh, yeah. I mean, I dive like a crazy person. Like, I mean, there's no question I'm going to black out. I mean, but, you know, but it's worth it because, you know, if I'm going to get that fish, right, you know, to feed the family, like, you know, I, I got no problem. I'm, I, I'm cool with dying for that because, you know, I mean, I dive pretty crazy. No one says that. Anyone that had died from blackout while spearfishing would say, I don't push myself. I've never had a problem. I'm in tune with my body. I've been doing this for a long time. That's, of course, what they'd say. Because no one plans to die from blackout while spearfishing. So let me put it another way. When people tell me, Ted, I don't push myself. I know my limits. I've never had a problem. Here's what I hear. 
Ted, I've been skydiving for 15 years and you know, I've been doing it for a long time. I've never had a shoot malfunction because I'm really careful and I pack my shoot the way that you're supposed to. And you know, I've never really had a problem before. So I'm going to stop uh, packing that reserve shoot because it's just a pain every time you got to pack it up and unpack it. It's just a lot of work. And I just, you know, I've never had a problem. So I'm just not going to do that. No, they don't do that because they don't want to go splat. They always pack the reserve shoot. The penalty for a mistake in free diving, whether you're spearfishing, free diving for fun, photography, mermaiding, videography, whatever you're doing, the penalty for a mistake is too severe. It's a fatality. That is too severe a mistake to not have a backup plan. I used to teach scuba. I used to be a scuba diver. When you make a mistake as a scuba diver, often the result is, ow, my shoulder hurts. Oh my God. I think I've got bent. Like, is there oxygen on this boat? Okay, good. Give me the oxygen. Okay. It's not fixed. I got to, oh, I got to go to the chamber. How much is that? 20 grand. Like, oh my God, I wish I had the data insurance, right? When you have a problem as a scuba diver, it's fixable. You got bent. Okay. You made a mistake. So we've got oxygen we can give you. We can take you, fly you to the chamber and we can fix that issue. You can't fix. I'm blacked out. I'm sinking underwater and I don't have, I've got three buddies in the area, but none of them are right here, right where, right where I need them. They're underwater or 50 feet away, looking the opposite direction. Can't fix that. That's gonna end up a fatality. And you know, the, the, the amount of spearfishing fatalities in the U S is, 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 is really, really unfortunate. As the sport continues to grow, the number of fatalities continue to grow and they're all so easily preventable. Uh, myself, all the other freediving instructors out there, you know, that's why we do what we do. So we try to give people the tools in order to stop these fatalities from happening because it's so easily preventable. And I'm going to have to say, and if you follow me, you know this, it's so frustrating for me, right? And, and for any of all the instructors, I mean, I feel like for 12 years, I've, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, on the stage at Deeper Blue, at freedivingsafety.com, the podcast, on Noob Spiro, all these other things, I'm, you know, trying to explain the rules, the do's, they don't, and it still happens. That really is ultimately the reason that I created freedivingsafety.com is to try to stop these fatalities from happening. Because clearly the best thing you can do if you want to be safe is take a free diving class. Obviously, 100%, I agree that you're going to get the hands-on skills on how to do these rescues and learn so much. And that's absolutely the best thing you can do. But, you know, what about the person that doesn't have a free diving class, you know, from instructor from 300 miles to them that, that can't afford a class, that doesn't, that can't get someone to watch the kids or time away from the spouse or wife or work or whatever, so sad, too bad, like that person just never has the understanding and ability to learn how to be safe. I never liked that. I never liked the fact that this safety information is hidden behind the paywall of a freediving classic. That's why I want this information out there. Uh, anyone who's smart enough to understand, yeah, I don't want to die when I go spearfishing because they didn't understand this stuff. So I want to get out there so anyone can access this information. I think another good way to make people interested in doing this the right way is I believe the single worst thing that could happen. Okay. The second worst thing, the single worst thing you could die free diving. The second worst thing would be to have someone die on your watch, on your boat trip, on your trip. And you have to explain to the family, the wife, the husband, the kids that they died on your watch and you weren't doing what you're supposed to do. And having heard of people having to go through that, it's awful. 
right? I just, I can't imagine having to explain to someone that you weren't there, right? That you weren't doing what you were supposed to do. Ignorance would be, uh, would be, would be, you know, if you didn't know any better, or at least you didn't know any better, but most people know that that's not what they're supposed to do. Most people know they're supposed to be there. They're just, well, I'm not gonna because of blah, 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 blah. He's super experienced or there was a big fish or whatever the reason is. Uh, but man, I just can't imagine having to, to deal with that. And having people reach out and message me and explain that to me is, is awful. It's just awful. So many people go spearfishing to provide for their family. That's what they say, provide for my family. Your family wants you to come back more than they want you to get fish. He who lives the longest catches the most fish. Look, I'm not the free diving police. You can dive however you want. My suggestion is dive safely. It's not even that hard, especially when you can learn for free at freedivingsafety.com. All right, so I went on a little bit of a safety rant there. So uh, if you're listening to this, that means you put up with all of that, then I would say me and you probably have something in common. And that's that you believe the same thing I believe, which is that it's important to be what I call a safety first free diver or another way, a bulletproof buddy, a buddy that will commit to being on the surface when you, but it's a surface, no matter what, not, you know, that means that the fish go by or whatever the reason that you commit to being a good buddy. So if that sounds like you, you're my kind of diver. We need more people like you. You probably have encountered buddies, divers. They don't think the same way that you do. They're like, ah, but I don't push myself. I know my limits. So this episode is a great way to maybe convince them of your point of view, right? So if you know someone that could use this, be sure to share the episode or put it on your social media and, and tag the people that maybe could use uh, use some of this, this knowledge. If you follow me, you've heard me say this, this safety first message, the message can't come just from the instructors, right? If it's only the instructors talking about it, there's not enough of us. We need the community members itself to start you know, getting out there and saying, hey, this is what I believe. I believe that we need to do this sort of stuff. So if you can share this and tell people, hey, I'm safety focused, that's, that, that can make such a huge difference. Be sure to follow me on Instagram. So it's Immersion FD. And if you're really into this promoting safety stuff, shoot me a message and, and say, hey, Ted, I, you know, I, I want to help. And uh, there's definitely things you can do to help get this, get this message out there. Since you've listened to this entire thing, I've decided to, at the end, share a story that I have never almost told anyone. I don't think anyone has really heard this story. I used to do a thing called Free Dive Live where I'd share all these funny stories and never told it there uh, And I, on my old Instagram thing. I don't think any of the instructors, any of my free diving fans have ever heard this story. And the only reason I remembered it is earlier in the episode when I talked about how irritated it was about the YouTube people that would you know do the underwater weight stuff. That reminded me of this story, so I'm going to end the episode with this story that uh, hopefully will, will make you laugh. So I was taking a free diving class. It was brand new. I was in the shallow end. I had uh, four people. I had two people doing static, so I got two guys face down holding their breath. And then I look in the deep end of the pool, and I see this guy with a heavyweight belt, like going back and forth, like walking back and forth across the pool. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I look over, and he's got his buddy is, like, on the surface, but, like, not even paying attention. And, and you know, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And, and, but I'm like, hey, I got I got two people underwater. I can't deal with this or even talk to these people. I just got to focus on my guys underwater. And it just every time I look down there, I see this person going. And he's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, man. I get a really long breath hold. And so as soon as my two guys come up, I say, all right, so now we're going to switch. You guys are going to breathe up and you're going to be safe. But just just give me a sec. I got to go. I'm going to go down here. Like you guys don't do anything. No breath holding. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. So I go over to talk to these guys. You know, I know I just can't yell at people because back then I already knew that didn't work. So I was trying to like 
condense them another way. But so, so I came over there and I said, Hey, what's so you guys doing? So like free diving training. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, what are you guys, uh, spearfish? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're absolutely. We're, you know, we're trying to get, uh, trying to get better. Yeah. So you're doing some free diving exercises in the pool, improve your, your spearfish. And that's, that's, that's cool. I said, have you guys taken a free diving class? They're like, no, but we want to. I said, yeah, you, 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 you should. Uh, I know you haven't taken a free diving class and you know how I know that. And they're like, well, how? And I said, well, because, you know, your buddies, you know, doing these long breath holds and you're on the surface and you're not even looking at him, right? Like you're not even making eye contact. You're not watching him. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, you're putting yourself a lot of risk and stuff that you're, you're just not, really not aware of because you haven't taken a free diving class. And so if you're spearfishing and you want to get better at free diving, you want to be safe, uh, definitely in your interest to take a free diving class because what you're doing right now, doing these back and forth is actually quite dangerous. You're just not aware of it. But, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I don't have hours to do this. I've got a free diving class that people paid for. I got to go over there. So I run back to my class, start doing statics again. And I look and they're doing it again. <laughs> I think, no, didn't stop. Like, just, I mean, within, within two minutes, they're back to doing their drills. Uh, and so now I'm pissed. But again, I've got people holding their breath in my class. These people paid money. I got to take care of them. But I'm mad. <laughs> I'm definitely mad. And so after the breath holds are done, I go over there again. I said, I said, Hey, look, I said, do you even know what the sign for a blackout is? No. I'm like, yeah, right. You don't even know. I mean, the sign for a blackout is they're going to release air. Okay. And you, even though I just told you what you're doing is dangerous, even though I told you, you're not even looking your, your buddy right now, as we're talking, he's going back and forth underwater. I'm watching him right now. You're not, you're looking at me. I'm watching this guy. If he were to black out, you would release air and he would die literally under your feet. And you wouldn't even know it because you're not even looking at him. Like even right now, I'm like, what you're doing, it really is dangerous, right? You really ought to stop because you're putting yourself at a lot of risk. And if you want to get better, I would definitely you know, take the free diving course like you want to. And they would, they would tell you absolutely not to do what you're doing in the manner that you're doing it. And then I'm like, I got, you know, there's only so much I can do. I go back, right? So I go back to my class. I go back to my class and I see them getting out of the pool and I'm like, okay, like, you know, they stopped. Maybe I was a little, you know, over the top or whatever. They stopped. Okay, I can focus on my class. Like me teaching a free diving class, focusing on safety and seeing these people like doing underwater breath holds, not looking at each other. It's just like, I can't, I can't take it. It's driving me crazy. And so class goes on and things are going well. And then I look over at them. Now they're doing dynamics, right? And they're doing like 75 meter dynamics. They're doing long dynamics. I can see the guy having like strong contractions. And I'm just like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm going to kill these people. Right. And they're just stressing me out. So point, I mean, at this point, it's not about like, I've tried everything. I can't get them to stop them. It's just like, they are in stressing me out so much. And so I come up with one other tactic. <laughs> and so I tell my class, Hey guys, short break, go to the bathroom, whatever, you know, I'm just going to be back in a second. <laughs> so I come over again. Right. And now these people are like, you know, they've had enough of me. It says, Hey, I said, quick question for you. How long, uh, how long can you guys do dynamic? That's a 70, you used it at 75. That's pretty good. What's your, what's your PB? You know, they're like, oh, like, you know, we've done 75. I turned a little bit past that. I said, that's good. I said, do you have any idea what the record is for that in the United States? And they're like, no. I said, it's, uh, it's 170 meters. They're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. So that's a lap, 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 lap. And they're like, holy cow. That's, I'm like, yeah, it's a long way. I said, and you know who's, who, who has that record? And they're like, no. I'm like me. And as the person who has done this the longest in the history of the United States, I'm telling you what you're doing is incredibly unsafe. The way you are doing this is so unsafe. You are not watching each other. You don't know what you're doing uh, and you need, you should stop. And then I walked off and and the one, one guy was 
pissed at me. And I went back to my class and they left the pool. And the one, one guy came back to me and said, thank you for taking the time to do that. I apologize for my, uh, my buddy's behavior. And do you have a card so I can be, find out about your class. Right. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. Eventually it took three times, right? It took three times. And eventually I was able to get them to pay attention and stop, but you know, I'm a pain in the butt. What can I say? Thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode. I hope you took something away from the show, whether it was a little nugget that you're like, wow, that was so cool, or maybe you had a big aha moment to help you improve your freediving performance and ability. If this episode helped you in some way, be sure to share this episode with someone you believe it can help. I help you, and you pass it on, and then help someone else. I'm in the process of creating a resource list. This will contain many of the freediving and spearfishing brands that I believe in, as well as many other tools that you will need as you continue to grow your freediving abilities. This resource list will be constantly growing and evolving. You can see it at freedivinglive.com resources. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard.